0: no cure. So when Jesus starts curing people, healing people, it's truly amazing for these people. Absolutely this has never happened before. And now people who are ill or sick or blind or deaf, their lives are transformed completely. They have a second chance at life they would never have had before. And this is another miracle we read, but for those people it again is absolutely amazing. And for us too we must never lose sight of the amazing uh, healing that Jesus Christ brings into lives. Blindness was common enough um, in those days. And what made it worse was that blind people were also considered outcasts. They were considered unclean. Their blindness was considered a punishment from God. So in John chapter 9, verse 2, when meeting a blind man, With the disciples, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, because that was the culture. That's what they thought was normal. He must have done something wrong, or maybe his parents. Of course, Jesus said, none, uh, it isn't anything to do with what they did. So when Jesus comes on the scene and heals people, it is amazing. And it's no wonder crowds flock to him because of his healing. Because they were so amazed and wanted to avail of what he could do. And what's more, it was instant healing. As soon as Jesus touched, they were completely restored. People condemned to a life of hardship and isolation, their lives were transformed. So let's continue to be amazed at the transforming power of Jesus in people's lives. The setting for the story today, although it's one we know well, but let's. Just get a bit of background to help us understand it. In fact, it's such a simple miracle to read. We could actually uh, say, John, we'll move on to the closing hymn now and finish the service. But we'll just see if we can learn a few things from what Jesus does here. The Gospel of Mark, if you like, divides into three acts or parts. Act one is Jesus' public ministry, performing miracles and teaching people, the public in general. Act 2, Jesus transitions to his private ministry to his disciples. Now he's going to spend time teaching his disciples before we come to Act 3, which is Jesus' death and resurrection. And here today in chapter 8, verses 22 to 26, we are transitioning. We are at the end of his public ministry and we are at the beginning of his private ministry to his disciples. The miracle we read here is uh, one of uh, two miracles that we only find in the Gospel of Mark. They're not found in any of the other Gospels. So there's this one here today, and then the healing of the deaf, mute man in Chapter 7. Very similar in how it happens to the miracle here. This miracle today was the last miracle performed by Jesus in Galilee. It was the last public miracle to the Jewish people before he left that area to move on away from Galilee, away from the Jewish people, and eventually to Jerusalem and to the cross. The town we're in, Bethsaida, was even close to the Decapolis, which was a Gentile area, so it was considered a fringe Galilean town, and an indication of Jesus moving away from the Jewish people. So the miracle bears some weight then, because of when it happens in Jesus' life. It's a miracle then, because it's at the beginning of his teaching ministry to the disciples, it's a miracle to teach the disciples something, and therefore to teach us for his disciples this morning. Out of interest, three of the apostles were from this town, uh, Peter, Andrew, and Philip. But it means uh, house of fishing, It was near where Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. So maybe 20,000 people in total were fed. So the people who lived here were very familiar with Jesus. Many of these people in this village would have been fed by him at that time. They would have seen his miracles and certainly heard of his miracles and heard of what he said. And so as he arrives here today at the end of his public ministry, it's inevitable somebody hears Jesus is coming. And they bring this man to him in verse 22. They came to Beth Seda, and some people brought a blind man and they begged Jesus to touch him. It's interesting to note that Jesus heals people by touch, by and large, or by people touching him. Jesus touches the untouchable people. That is good news for all of us. In chapter 5, Jesus took the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she did. There was touch. In chapter 6, verse 56, we read, as many as touched him were made well. And in chapter 7, he put his fingers into the deaf and mute man's ears and he could hear and speak. So the friends of this blind man knew if Jesus can touch him, he will be able to see. They knew the touch of Jesus transformed lives. But there will be no more public ministry. So that is likely why Jesus takes him by the hand and leads him out of the village, away from the crowds. He spat on his eyes and he laid his hands on him. Why did he spit on his eyes? We're not told. The text doesn't explain But it is a symbol of the transfer of power from Jesus to the man. It's not magic of some kind. um, It's his power alone. Jesus didn't need to use saliva, but on this occasion, he chose to do so. It's the only miracle we read in the Bible that took part in two steps. And it's the only miracle where Jesus asked the person being healed a question. And so he asked the man after touching his eyes the first time, after spitting on his eyes and then he touched them, do you see anything? And the man looked up. He could see, but he couldn't see clearly. Thankfully, our glasses help us. But he was like us without glasses or contacts uh, on on the next slide we'll we'll, what what it must have been like for him with or without glasses. He had imperfect sight and he saw men, people, the disciples who were with him um, looking like trees. Well, trees are vertical. People are, maybe that's what he saw. His vision was blurred. No clear focus, imperfect sight. But after the second touch, he could see perfectly. Now the words used here uh, in the Greek to describe this cover all aspects of sight. The man now had 20-20 vision. No fogginess, no blurring. He could see accurately would be one of the words. His eyesight was completely restored to the way it was meant to be When he was born, he could see clearly his near vision was perfect. His far vision was perfect. Every miracle that Jesus did brought the person back to perfect health. It's a symbol, isn't it? Because when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are headed for perfection in heaven. When there will be a new earth and everything will be perfect again. When Jesus touches, he brings perfection. There are no partial healings. And in verse 26 Jesus sent him home. He told him not to go back into the village. Now often Jesus said something like this because he didn't want to be overwhelmed with people who were interested in healing only. He knew his message wasn't complete until after the cross. So that's a little on the background and the context of the miracle. What can we learn? Three main points for us Um, I've picked up this morning that we can learn. This miracle shows Jesus' deity. It shows that Jesus is, in fact, God. The people of the day were amazed. They they were seeing and amazed by the compassion of God and the power of Christ uh, in healings like this. They were living, as we said, in a day when no one was cured of anything. Jesus comes along and he touches people, and they are healed. And this blind man sees. We have records in the Bible of these real-life events. This happened. It was a real event in history and in time with real people involved. For Mark, who wrote the Gospel, Peter was the source. Peter was the eyewitness. Peter saw it. He told Mark what he saw. Mark wrote it down. And the record is there for us today. This miracle is another, if you like, if I can use the title of the book by Lee Strobel uh, in the case for Christ. When we're building up a case for Christ in our minds and in our understanding, we look to miracles like this. And we say this man, Jesus Christ, lived on earth. People saw him and saw what he did. They saw he restored the sight uh, to this man by touching his eyes. It is a historical fact. Jesus confirms who he is later on in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 and 62. And again, we read, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, Jesus said. He shows that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah, by doing a miracle like this. He confirms his own words. Now, no one to this point in the gospel has ever said yet, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And Jesus was wanting his disciples to understand and to see and to make it real in their own minds. That confession comes on the heels of this miracle, and we look at that next week. So this is the final, the capstone miracle Jesus did so that his disciples would be led to understanding and making the confession as to who jesus was now what does that mean for you and i what's the significance of that jesus wants us to know that he is god when people challenge you on what you believe on faith in god at all or in general when doubts creep in and satan will send doubts uh, into, in, into our minds to, to stumble us and to question our faith remember this miracle and the other miracles that jesus performed because they are facts that happened And we can use them as tools to affirm my belief that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is God himself. And that my faith in him is secure. My faith in him makes sense and is right. Thank him today and every day that Jesus is God's Son who came to this earth as a man so that we could have our spiritual sight restored. Secondly, we can learn that this miracle shows what Jesus' kingdom is like. Restoration to perfection. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Now the disciples were wondering at this stage, what's happening with this kingdom that Jesus told them about? Where was the power and the glory that they expected they might see? Where was the salvation of Israel and the nations? It didn't seem to be happening around them. But we read in Isaiah 28, verse 19, In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. And in chapter 35 of Isaiah, verse 5, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. This was happening literally before their eyes. They just didn't make the connection to what Isaiah had said. But here it was, the blind were being made to see the deaf were being made to hear. At one stage, John the Baptist even had doubts as to who Jesus was. Amazing, isn't it, that John the Baptist would have had doubts, but he did. Uh, He too wasn't seeing the kingdom of God develop in the way he expected or thought or was led to believe it might happen. And he wanted to check for sure. And he asked some of his followers to ask Jesus. And we read in Luke 7, 20 to 22, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, Jesus' reply was unusual, not what we might expect. He said, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. And what did he say? The blind received sight was one of the things he said. Jesus was saying, well, that's evidence that my kingdom has come. The disciples couldn't grasp the blind being made to see. And of course, for us, that translates to the spiritually blind being made to spiritually see. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, not what they thought, which was a physical reign of a king in Israel at that time. Restoration to perfection, restoration of spiritual blindness. The truth is that without personal faith and trust in Jesus, we are blind. Spiritually, we are blind. But his kingdom is here. We're living in his kingdom now and we can be part of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross by dying to take the punishment for our sins and make us perfect, completely healed of sin in the eyes of God. Now that is truly amazing. And when we think of the amazing miracles Jesus did, this one caps them all. It is amazing that I could be seen by God as perfect because of what jesus has done because of my faith in him it is amazing god looks at us if we're believers this morning for all our sins and our faults and he sees perfection if we're trusting in jesus isn't that amazing all that sin and wrong that you and i have done or carry or have guilt about in actual fact if we've sought his forgiveness god doesn't see it he doesn't see it he sees perfection he sees the perfection of his son in our place instead that is true, perfect restoration. When we place our trust in Jesus and we believe in Him, we see clearly. We have 2020 vision in seeing our greatest need and the source of everlasting peace. When we are in Jesus' kingdom, we can already in this life experience. So many of the benefits of what kingdom life brings. Jesus touches people still who put their trust in Him. He touches us. He is the touchable Savior. God is not indifferent to us or to our needs. He's not detached from our reality. Hebrews 4:15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Are there things in your life today, in my life today, that need healing, that need to be sorted, that need the touch of Jesus? Ask for his touch. Ask for his touch. He never, never turns anyone or any request away. He is the compassionate, touchable saviour. And that is such an encouragement today and as we go into a new week. Now, why did Jesus heal the man in stages Well, it certainly wasn't that he hadn't the power to do it correctly the first time. Uh, The text doesn't, again, tell us why in two steps. But knowing that Jesus was teaching his disciples here, maybe he wanted them to see that their, their journey to perfect sight was a gradual journey. The gradual restoration of sight of this blind man was meant to symbolize The slowness of the disciples attaining spiritual sight. Jesus was frustrated at times. They didn't really get what he was about. Well, they got their eyes opened gradually like this blind man. Jesus is saying, you started off completely spiritually blind. Then your eyes were gradually opened to understanding me and God's kingdom. Over time, you will see and understand clearly. I know things are spiritually fuzzy for you right now. But all will be made clear. For sure, before the cross, they failed to fully understand and grasp what Jesus was about. But these are lovely words to read. After Jesus rose from the dead and he met some of the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. In an act of infinite compassion, the Lord Jesus miraculously gave the disciples eyes of faith as he does for every sinner, every one of us whom he saves, so that they could clearly, so that we could clear, can clearly comprehend truth. They for the first time, we for the first time, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is for us, when it comes to salvation, when we first believe in Jesus, we do receive 2020 vision for understanding that we are sinful and need the forgiveness of a saviour so we can have our relationship with God restored. We understand his grace and mercy, but there's so much, isn't there, that we don't understand. And among other things, we think of the terrible earthquakes of this week. We just cannot understand or comprehend. And, we, and as John rightly said, people say, where is God and all this, and there's no easy answer. And there's so much of what happens in our own lives, we don't understand. But we take encouragement From the words of Paul, and from from what, what we see as this blind man is healed in parts here today, because in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, Paul says, "For we know in part, and we prophesy in part." That's where we are now. But when completeness comes, when one day we will be with God in heaven, what is in part disappears. And in verse 13, "For we now see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face." Now, in part, then I shall know fully, e- even as I am fully known. We take encouragement. One day we will understand. One day we will have perfect 2020 vision in everything. So, um, the third point we can learn it shows this miracle shows there will be judgment. Now Beth Seda was not just any old town in the ministry of Jesus. It's significant the town it is, the village it is, the people who were in it. The people here have three of the apostles as we said, living among them. They have had much exposure to Jesus, to his miracles and to what he said and did. But in Matthew 11 verse 21 we read woe to you Chorazin, woe to you Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Most of his miracles were done in and around this village. Capernaum was judged in the same way in in that verse in Matthew 11. And Capernaum was the base for Jesus' ministry. What's the curse he speaks about here? Well, he goes on, but I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. When all the ungodly stand before God at the final judgment, and they will, God will judge them and send those who ignored him to hell forever. Tyre and Sidon, if you read in history, were violent and unjust cities full of corruption, greed, and evil of every sort that you could imagine. They were places we might say they were deserving of hell, the way the people lived in those cities. But Bethsaida, would that have been classed like them? Not at all. Jewish, proud of its religious her- heritage and loyalty, a synagogue town, respectful, not like... Th- they would never have compared themselves to those evil cities. And yet Jesus says, the heat of hell will be far worse for these people than for the people of Tyre and Sidon when he judges at the end. Why? They saw his miracles. They heard what he said. They met him. He was with them. And they chose to ignore him. They rejected him. And so Jesus wants his disciples to understand He wants his disciples to understand the seriousness of sin the seriousness of not trusting in him for forgiveness and the curse that sin leads to and he demonstrates that with this man whose sight was restored by telling him don't go back into the village why would he have said that don't go back in well maybe he didn't want more crowds for healing but i think more likely the reason was they have had their opportunity they have heard what i have said they have seen my miracles And they have ignored me. I'm not going to show them another sign. It's too late. It's too late for them now. Yes, the disciples need to understand grace and tenderness that Jesus has, his compassion and his healing, but also they need to understand his judgment, and so do we. These people who brought the blind man here to Jesus, they had already witnessed what he had done. They had heard how he had fed the crowd. They had seen or heard of his miracles. They knew that if Jesus touched people, they were healed of their uh, Ill, 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 Ill illnesses. They knew they themselves couldn't heal this man. They could do nothing to help him get his sight back, but they believed Jesus could, and they brought him to Jesus, who healed him, and gave him back his sight. The lesson is there for us. We need to bring people who need spiritual healing to jesus because there will be judgment and those around us in our communities and and our society who don't know jesus this morning who haven't put their faith and trust in him there will be judgment and there will be hell hard and all as that sounds but that's what the bible teaches us and we need to be aware of it you see if those people hadn't bothered to bring the blind man that day if they said oh i'm sure he's too busy i'm sure he's tired uh We're busy ourselves anyway. So he's always been blind. He's used to it. If they hadn't bothered, that man would have continued to live. An isolated man. Isolated from society in dark darkness. And presumably, presumably, we don't know, that man put his faith in Jesus that day because of his healing. Well, if that hadn't happened, he would have lived spiritually blind and gone to an eternity in hell. That is the reality. And it's as simple as just telling people what Jesus has done for us that's it that blind man went home i'm sure the next day he met his neighbors and just told them Jesus healed me that's what he did he touched me he's changed my life in john chapter 9 jesus healed another blind man and the pharisees were at that time trying to find grounds to accuse him and they peppered the man with questions to see if they could find a flaw and then in verses 24 and 25 uh, we read, a second time this summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not I don't know. One thing I do know, I was but now I can and that's amazing isn't it? And that's it. Let us learn from him. We're telling people around us, I was blind spiritually but now I can see. Jesus has given me spiritual sight. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 Paul says for God who said let light shine out of dark darkness in other words let the spiritually blind see let blind shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in Christ. That is he has given us twenty twenty vis- vision we now see and we want others to see as well. But he goes on in verse 7. This is really encouraging. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, do you feel like a jar of clay, brittle and easily broken when it comes to sharing your faith? I do. We all feel nervous. Could I do it? Um, Is it going to be too hard for me? Well, the fact of the matter is that's who God wants. That's what he says here. He wants jars of clay. He wants vessels who are weak. Why? because he wants the glory to go to him. And God is saying to you and I this morning, give it a go. You step out, and I will speak through you, and my power will be shown. So we don't need to be experts, or trained, or anything like that, although that's all helpful. We simply need to go tell, because we're jars of clay, and his power will be revealed. There are people each of us know today. We're probably the only ones could ever bring them to jesus and it's our responsibility to seek to share jesus with them interesting as well we read at the start of the, of the reading today the men the people who brought the man they begged jesus to touch him well we can learn from that they didn't just ask once now begging is a pretty strong word isn't it please 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 touch him jesus please they weren't stopping they weren't going to let up they wanted their friend to regain his sight. So this man being an object, lesson for us this morning, Jesus teaches us here that we need to faithfully and persistently intercede for others before Jesus as well. And that's why we have the five in the wall uh, encouraging us each to be praying for five people who need to come to Jesus. But we need to be persistent and beg Jesus to bring them to him to restore their spiritual sight. So we have a two-pound approach, haven't we? Pray, Pray for people to come to faith. Go tell. Just tell people what Jesus means to you. John 1 verse 9, and to finish this beautiful verse, he is, as the Apostle John describes him, the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. I love that song we just sung, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, we want to see Jesus. We've got to seek him. When our eyes have been opened, we want to move to clearer vision. Yes, we've had that 2020 vision when we come to faith. But as we walk through life, uh, understanding God and Jesus more in our lives is what we want. So look for him. Open your eyes. Open my eyes to find him and to seek him. And I want to finish with these lovely from Sundar Singh, who was a, um, and Paul has often told us about him. It's a wonderful story. Um, he's known in his lifetime as India's most famous convert to faith, Sundar Singh. He lived from 1889 to 1929. This Hindu came to faith in Jesus Christ and he writes much and had amazing experiences in his life. So he writes in this book here, this is some of the wisdom of him, and he's answering questions being asked of him. Seeker, who's the person asking the questions you speak of discernment, can you explain further what you mean? And in that answer, he goes on to say, he wants us to meditate to spend time in god's presence in prayer light streams out from god light helps us see better isn't that true in prayer light streams out from god illuminating and guiding our innermost conscience con- conscience if we spend more time in god's presence we can recognize the relationship between the visible and I- invisible world ever more distinctly and clearly 2020 vision comes in his presence time in God's time spent with God provides the atmosphere for us to grow and fear and love of God so that these impressions are refined to contribute to our spiritual bliss when we meditate the true condition of the soul is exposed and God can reveal our failings in order to heal and bless us let's seek him Uh, and let's ask him to give us clear vision as we live for him day by day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your amazing power. Thank you for your power in transforming the, the, the life of this blind man by your touch. Thank you so much that when you touch our lives and we put our faith in you, you give us spiritual sight. We see clearly our need of you. And thank you, you restore to us sight so we can understand why we're here, our purpose in life, the meaning in life. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you that you want to know and enter into every aspect of our lives. You care and love us. Thank you there is judgment because then there is, without judgment, there's no justice in this world. And we pray we will recognize judgment is coming. Help us and strengthen us Weak as we are, jars of clay to share the good news with others, to bring others to Jesus, we pray. Lord, we look forward to spending time in your presence as we come to communion and to reflect on the cross. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.